guys. Welcome back to the One Broke Actress podcast. This is episode six. What? This means this season, season five, is already halfway done. If you're a new listener, uh, that is some info for you. We only do 12 episodes at a time, so this season is halfway done. However, if you're considering unsubscribing at the end of the season, I just have to tell you that we are already planning things for between quote-unquote seasons, and some of it might involve help from you guys. So make sure you stay tuned. Make sure you're following on at One Broke Actress on Instagram and uh, I'll keep I'll keep you posted on what we're thinking. Still kind of figuring some things out, um, but I hope you guys are having such a busy pilot season you haven't even noticed that we're halfway through the podcast. Uh, really interesting, the Hollywood Top 5 did a great podcast this week about how uh, pilot season orders are down at their lowest ever, and I believe it was 55. So if you're sitting at home wondering where all your auditions are, do not fret. Uh, they're going to people with a fuck ton of credits because there's not that many pilots going on. Also, I can't recommend enough, if you haven't been reading pilots, and I know you guys are asking me where to find them, find friends, find people around you. Uh, Somebody has the pilots, right? Like, you probably won't be able to read all 55 of them or whatever, but if you can read a good handful, you can get a good perspective on maybe you're not going out because there's not roles for you precisely. Do you know what I mean? I think it gives you a little perspective and also calms your brain a little. And that's just really my goal to help you guys with that idea. With that, however, we are going to get into today's podcast with an actress who I hope is having a bomb-ass pilot season. In fact, she has an episode of a TV show coming out this week. I met Ashley Platts many moons ago at the Sunset Marquee. We were just simple hostesses together. (laughs) Ashley has been a consistent person in my life. Whether I go a couple years without seeing her or I text her every other day or she sends me memes on Instagram. She is a light, I got to tell you guys. And she is not not holding anything back in this episode. She's really, really open about her journey as an actress as well as her journey with her own personal sexuality. She is now an out member of the LGBT community and... It's really interesting how she got to that point and it had to do with auditions, which is crazy. So I think you're going to really like her story. She also shares with us how she survives in L.A. between jobs and how she keeps her momentum going and what shifts she made in her career to really turn up the volume on the things that were important to her. I respect the shit out of Ashley, and I think by the end of this episode, you're also going to be big fans. And speaking of being her fan, uh, she announces in this episode that she is on this week's episode of The Bold Type. And if you're anything like me, you're obsessed with that show. So listen to this podcast, and then make sure you tune in on Thursday and see her episode, because I can't freaking wait. Okay, without further ado, please enjoy Ashley Platts. It's also crazy weird because I trained you. I know. To be a hostess. hostess. (laughs) (laughs) At a restaurant. At a restaurant. Which, by the way, is it still called The Restaurant? It has a real name now. I don't remember what it is, but it it actually has a real name instead of just restaurant. We met at The the Restaurant at the Sunset Marquee, Mm -hmm. and people would say, which restaurant? (laughs) The restaurant. The only restaurant there. Um, So you were the first person to kind of guide me a little bit in LA I think you were probably what I would consider my first real actor friend Mm. um which is really I know (laughs) uh so I know your life story Mm -hmm. to a to a degree uh from Jersey should I say who I am yeah 
Well, that'll be in the intro, but if you want to give it a go now. (laughs) I realized I didn't do that. I'm Ashley Platts. I'm an actor. I'm from New Jersey. (laughs) How do you introduce yourself to a room of people? Like when they're like, quickly Um, introduce yourself. um, I say, my name's Ashley Platts. I'm, I usually say I'm East Coast. um, And then I say actor, writer, producer. And I teach yoga for fun. That's awesome. Yeah. So when you came here from New Jersey, talk to tell people a little bit about your backstory, just so they have a completed circle yeah. here. Um, so I was just a really rambunctious kid and would do a lot of impressions of performers that I saw on TV, specifically Celine Dion and Whitney Houston. I would not call myself a singer, but I used to do impressions of them. And then it started to like leak into like movies I would just do impressions of actors being goofy and my parents thought like oh boy (laughs) what are we gonna do with this kid um but they never thought to like enroll me in classes or anything they just thought I was just like spunky and so often when we would watch movies as kids like I specifically remember watching E.T. and hearing my parents say oh that's Barrymore's kid about Drew and I was like oh so the way to be an actor is if you have actor parents or, or you have to be like born it was like a royalty wow, thing right you, you learned that lesson really quickly I, I, like I just assumed <laughs> right so I also assumed that there was no way I could possibly ever because I lived in New Jersey so like unless I was born in Hollywood like it just wasn't going to happen in my head so it wasn't until it wasn't until I saw the movie Clerks that I realized someone from New Jersey could make movies because Kevin Smith <laughs> is from New Jersey. So shout out Kevin Smith. Thanks that for the inspo. The that, that was the one that did it for you. That was the one that did it for me. Uh, <laughs> I loved that movie. It was like a cult classic and still is. And for someone from New Jersey, it was like everything because it was filmed in New Jersey. It was this tiny little movie and it made me feel like if, if this guy can do it, I can totally do it. So I think it was high school. I had an open elective. And um, around this time was when I was sort of figuring out maybe I wasn't a straight girl. Mm -hmm. And I was in my guidance counselor's office. And she was like, well, the only two things that fit into your schedule are metal shop and theater. (laughs) And I was like, well, obviously I'm going to metal shop on the off chance. There's another woman there who might be like me. Um, And she was like, "Mm, I don't know that I want to give this much energy to that poor metal shop teacher who's like an introverted man. Let's put you in theater. And I was like, theater? And little did I know, like, oh, the queer culture in theater. Thank God. I like that you went to metal shop to find potentially a a weird loner (laughs) who worked in a garage for a living. I don't know. I don't know what life would have been. But um. I ended up in the in the theater class and my teacher saw something in me and was constantly putting me in competitions that I didn't want to be in. And because I was a track and field kid, that was like my life. I was going to be an athlete. That was the end of it. And she was always signing me up for things and telling me like a week before, you have a week to do a monologue for this state competition or you have a week to do whatever. And I would half-ass it and win. And I was like, okay. There's something here. If I'm putting in like 50% energy and I'm winning trophies, imagine what I could do if I put in 100%. So I decided to go to college for theater against everyone's 
It's better always, judgment and suggestions. <laughs> truly always that is theater everyone. degree has paid off so much, you guys. So, so much. Says, <laughs> says both actresses in this room. Oh, All three of us, in fact, our producer Cecilia, also in my program in college. The best money you should have never spent in your life. <laughs> <laughs> I basically, basically, I paid to find a community. That, okay, I say the same thing. I say I paid to grow up. Yeah. I mean, I, I grew up a bit. I don't think I grew up a lot, but I definitely, I had, you know, I had to live by myself and not rely on adults. I had to like become the adult I relied on, but yeah, that was where I found my community of people. And I went from being like a questioning bisexual thinking there might be one more of me in my high school to like, everyone thought I was the only straight kid. And I was like, I'm not, (laughs) I'm just scared. Right. So yeah, I didn't have a lot of straight friends in college. And I just, I think I went to Pace University in Manhattan and that was a a really small theater program at the time. My, my class doubled the size of the theater department. So we were fighting for shit constantly. And if that wasn't the greatest lesson for me on what it's like to be an actor, I don't know what was, but we couldn't get anything done unless we fought tooth and nail for it. Wow. (laughs) So why didn't you stay in New York? Oh my God, great question. Um, I I always wanted to move to LA, but I never had a reason other than, because I was like, why, my family's here, I can stay here. I knew New York really well. Um, My attitude is definitely better suited for New York. (laughs) But uh, (laughs) I I offend people constantly in LA. (laughs) Um, But I took a summer course at the New York Film Academy uh, just to do it because you weren't allowed to double major with a BFA Mm -hmm. at my school. So I ended up being in a bunch of these little experimental short films. And one of them got into the Palm Springs Short Fest in, oh my God, 2007. Okay. And the filmmaker was going to go by himself. And I was like, um, I'm totally going with you. And he was like, well, you're not even like, I wasn't even the lead actress. Like the lead, it was ironically, maybe not ironically, the story was about a woman who might be bisexual and I did not play her. Oh, I played her lesbian first date, but I was definitely the main girl in real life. Just being like, Oh, this is so weird. I got cast as the other part, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) So it's this three part, three person short film. It gets into, um, the Palm Springs Short Fest, which is a big, really um, well-known, acclaimed festival. And I was just desperate to go with him and, like, learn. So I, we end up being screened in this queer block, and I, it still wasn't clicking with me. Like, I still wasn't out. I was out mm-hmm. to maybe, like, one person. Um, and everyone I met there was like, what are you doing in New York? And I was like, commercials and off, off Broadway, off, <laughs> off, off Broadway theater. And I don't know. That's just where I live. Like at a certain point, you don't really think about it. You're like, it's just where I live. Like, yeah. this is why I'm there. That's I'm there because is. I'm there. Yeah. And they were like, you need to move to LA. You're a film actress. And I was like, I am. Okay. So I took a bunch of strangers unsolicited advice and packed up my life and broke off my relationships and moved. Also, it's really cool. You took a bunch of people's in Palm Springs advice. Like what? You know what I mean? Like they were, they were filmmakers mostly from LA, but like they were just, it was, I wasn't in LA. 
I was in Palm Springs and I got all these numbers and these people were like, call me when you get here. And I called all of them and I never saw any of them. <laughs> like, honestly. Except Welcome for, to LA. <laughs> except for like maybe two of them, but like years later. And I'm friends with one of them now, but it was like, you know, that was 12 years ago. Wild. <laughs> okay, so you get to LA, you have New York credits. Mm-hmm. That mean nothing. Yeah, and a degree. Mm-hmm. That also means nothing. Thanks for taking my joke. <laughs> um, <laughs> what do you do? Because this is not that, if 12 years feels like a long time. It's not that long ago. It's really not. Um, what did I do? I got a job in Beverly Hills uh, as a hostess. And I got into improv classes. Where at? UCB. Okay. Mainly because I was just bored. Like I was, well, to be honest, I started submitting a lot on Actors Access right away. Mm-hmm. And you were the first person to teach me about Actors Access. Oh my God. Isn't that so I funny? teach every newbie about Actors Access. What would you, what, what would you teach someone about Actors Access? <laughs> People who are listening right now might not be in LA yet. Oh uh, yes. Um, if you, if you are moving to LA, you cannot, you cannot exist here as an actor without Actors Access. You just can't. I had a friend from New York move here, sleep on my couch forever. And really wanted to be an actor and like he was I mean maybe he still is super talented could not get over the like his own bullshit to put himself on actors access what four years later I was like yo so how's it going and he was like I don't know I just need some advice and we sat down because I'm like all about mentorship like um I have three actors I'm mentoring right now one doesn't even live in LA wow and uh I was like yeah dude like what's going on why aren't you why aren't you auditioning and he's like well, I hate uh, my footage. And I was like, oh, okay, well, just what, just throw it up on Actors Access and just go. And he was like, oh, I haven't opened an Actors Access account. I was like, you've been here four years. What are you doing? He was just in class, which is great, like, great being class. Yeah, but like, that's like one piece of the puzzle. It's, and it's, this, it's not as important. Who told you about Actors Access when you moved here? My roommate. Okay. I moved in with uh, an actor who had, like, come straight from high school and I was like, how do you get auditions? And she was like, LA Casting and Actors Access. And I think at the time it was Mandy.com was like, I don't know if that's still a thing. So that don't quote like, me on that. But like that was like an old or thing. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's now it's more for like crew okay. people to get jobs, non-union maybe. But uh, at the time you could also do it as an actor. Weird. Yeah, super weird. And um, also my first acting class was like really pushing that. Okay. Good for them. I know. That's great. But I like, I just started doing that. I got into, I was, I did a play actually right around the corner from here at the underground theater. Oh, really? It was my first play in LA. Uh-huh. Um, I feel like and, everyone does at least one play when they move here. Oh yeah. Well, cause I was like, this is easy for me. Like I'm a theater kid. This yeah. is like no problem. And, um, I learned during that play right away that New York actors are very different than LA actors. How so? Because I showed up prepared and on time every day. Ah. And I was alone. And the director used to constantly make an example of me because he was also from New York. He was like, do you see this girl? And I hated it. I was like, oh, please don't single me out. Like, I just (laughs) moved here. I have no friends and you're not helping me. (laughs) I don't care that they're late. I just need friends. (laughs) Nobody wants to go get a drink with you. No, nobody wanted to hang out with me. I was like, it's not my fault that I'm showing up on time prepared. That's like all you have to do. It's. It's pretty simple. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. 
So you're submitting, you're doing all this stuff, you're working, like, what was what was your day-to-day life when you first got here? Because I think the first three to four years is, people say if you can survive one year, I think if you can survive two to three. Uh, okay, so the brutal honest truth is I spent most of the first year going to the beach yeah. and being not a New Yorker and okay. just, like, trying to find what my life was like without my family around me, building new relationships, um, still sort of battling with sexuality and being 21, 22, like what is that? And being so far away from my comfort zone. Where'd you, did you live by the beach? No. Oh my God. And you still, where'd oh, you yeah, live? Oh yeah. Cause I didn't know that people in LA don't go to the beach unless you live by the I beach. I actually haven't been to I didn't the beach know in that like yet. a year. Yeah. I lived in West Hollywood. <laughs> and you went to the beach. And I I'm drove s- to Malibu all the time. I'm so impressed. Why? What? I would never do that now. <laughs> <laughs> like, never. I'd be like, what? No, it needs to be planned three days in advance. I know. Like, you live in the valley, and yeah. I haven't seen you in forever. I know. It's, it's like it's the different other, area. It's so far away, but it's not. Mm-mm, it took mm-mm. me 10 minutes to get here. <laughs> but I'm like, ugh, Hollywood. Right now. I'm I in know. Studio City. And for non LA people, it's. 10 minutes yeah on a Saturday so you you are just like figuring out your life right like putting it together Mm -hmm. I also think that's an important thing though because people kind of like I did this I came to LA and I was like um I super hope everyone can hear the people that just started construction around us I think we might be okay we'll see (laughs) welcome to LA um because I jumped in and I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to find a place to live. I'm going to start auditioning. I'm going to get, I had like a five year plan. Oh yeah. It's on my website. I'll, I'll link it to this podcast, but, um, I had no plan. I (laughs) I just planned to keep going. That was literally my plan was just like, do all the things and just keep going. Well, I didn't know what that meant. It's working. Yes. It's, it's working really well now because I know what those things mean. (laughs) Instead of just like, I don't know, just keep doing stuff. How you how do you find people who support your work creatively that create I'm gonna take that back. Take it back. How do you find people how did you find like reps and things who would help you support your creativity? Because I feel like you're doing so much right now. Like you just you just did a play, did it just finish? I just finished a play. That's right. It was um Ryder Strong from Boy Meets World and a uh nineties babies wrote <sighs> his first play. Um and it was really really intense and thought provoking and so well done. And he's, he's just really talented and he's, he's going to go far with this, with this type of work for him for sure. But yeah, I just finished that play. It was so fun. You, but you have like reps who are like supportive of your, like the work you're doing now, Yes, which is, I think the first reps people get are kind of easy to talk about. Cause it's like, well, I like figured out how to get an agent and also yeah. 12 years ago, different than now like getting one so what has been your journey with representation because that's Mm. a battle that sometimes we lean on a little too much yes but um I I am of the mindset that there's a reason that my reps get a percentage and not the whole they get a small amount of the money that I make because they should be doing like, so your rep gets 10%. Mm-hmm. Some people's get 15. Depending on your market, you get different percentages. But my agent gets 10% of my income mm-hmm. from acting jobs because he's doing 10% of the work, which means I need to be doing the 90%. So what is that? That's getting enough sleep. That's making sure my talent is on par, going to classes if I need to, um, you know, staying on top of like what's going on in the industry so that I know how to market myself a little better, Mm -hmm. keeping up with better headshots, getting my footage out there, 
staying in shape, like all of the things. That's my job. Yep. So, cause he's pushing buttons on a computer and calling hopefully for me, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and putting in that energy, but he's also doing that for X number of other people. Yeah. So I'm getting a small percentage of that. Yeah. If you can hear the construction noises, just think about it as the construction on your own career. (laughs) The work that we're putting in. And if you can't, you think we're crazy and you're like, what are we talking about? I know. They might. We'll see how this goes on the recording end of it. Sorry, guys. Um, So let's get into a little bit then you like figuring out who you are in this business. And because I think your coming out story is fucking fascinating (laughs) because like I had no idea. And then when I found out, I was like. That tracks like cool. Like I don't know. It, it's like it just yeah. Nothing ever. I don't know. Let's talk about it because I actually sure. haven't had anyone talk about this kind of thing on the podcast before. Mm-hmm. So, and it also I feel like informed your career. Yes. Because once you kind of took hold of who you were, you became who you are. Mm-hmm. Is that a little meta? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I think about people like Kristen Stewart who was in the closet for the biggest role that we know her for and constantly being seen as miserable on the red carpets all the time. Like she had Twilight and was just like, everyone was like, why is that girl so miserable all the time? And then lo and behold, she comes out and like, she's lighter. She's not picking jobs just to pick jobs. She's doing things she wants to do. And now she's Charlie's angels is like, this movie's going to be massive who gets to say they were Charlie's angel? Like that thing is huge. And she's clearly so in her own skin now. And for me watching her, I think she's stronger than she's ever been acting wise because there's an authenticity to her that she's no longer denying or hiding. Yeah. And similarly for me, um, it wasn't really, I didn't really have like, I don't know if I would call it a coming out story more of like, not like a gender reveal, but like, (laughs) (laughs) uh, Uh, hey, BT Dubs, this is happening. Um, you should have had a cake. I should have had a cake. A rain, It would cut in, it would be rainbow on the inside. Like like funfetti. Yeah, I should have had a funfetti cake. Ugh, opportunity we'll wasted. <laughs> um, my parents were both like mm, liberal-leaning Republicans okay. in farm town, New Jersey. So surrounded by hardcore Republicans. Uh, and they never raised me to be judgmental of other people. And there was never really a talk about sexuality in my house ever. So the hardest person that I had to deal with about being identifying as bisexual or pansexual was really me. Cause I just didn't know what it was and I didn't know that it was a thing. I just mm-hmm. thought I was like, clearly weird (laughs) or that I was just like um going through something that everyone goes through and I had a like this weird thought where like oh I'll probably just pick at some point like what I am this was like an ongoing thought yeah this is like all high school and I had uh one of my closest friends of course I had a crush on her her we Skip school one day to go see theater. You guys, this is who I was. Oh my God. <laughs> I can't believe that's, that just reminded me. We skipped school to go to a theater to see a play and we ran into her mom and her mom was with another woman, like romantically. And I was like, Oh, Oh, that's a, that's a, 
that's an option for adults too. Like it just like never you didn't you didn't clicked see it in my then. brain. No, it wasn't in media yet it, as the way, especially the way it is now. Mm. And I was like, oh okay. And then I was like, oh maybe I love her daughter. <laughs> maybe I should tell her. <laughs> uh, but luckily I didn't because that would not have been a good choice. But uh, it was sort of like always kind of ruminating. And when I went to college, I would bring a guy home, bring a girl home and just didn't think about it. Mm -hmm. And my parents never said anything, never made me feel weird or uncomfortable about it. Uh, They just loved me and supported me. That's amazing. Yeah. So I never really came out to my family until another member of my family was talking about coming out. And then I was like, oh, well, I've never done that. Maybe I should do that. And I mean, I did this like recently, you guys. Mm -hmm. I was like, I should probably do that. So I called my brother. I was like, hey, I just wanted to let you know um, that I'm pansexual, bisexual, and this is what that means. And he was like, yeah. And I was like, um, well, do you have any questions about it? He's like, am I supposed to? I was like, I don't, I don't know how this goes. Not really. Like, <laughs> And he was like, anyway, so are you coming home for Christmas? Like, it just completely changed the topic. And I was like, okay, maybe that's just him because we're close in age. So I called my mom. And I'm like, hey, so I just want to let you know I'm bisexual, pansexual. And she goes, Ashley, you were bringing girls home all the time. What did you think? <laughs> she thought, like, I didn't know until that moment. So she was like, I don't know how you didn't know that about yourself. Like everyone I was like, knew no, you. no, I, what? No, I'm, I'm, okay. Was there a reason it felt like this was the time to have that discussion? Um, I think it was more about supporting my other family member. I find that for me as a person, I'm less likely to do things for myself, but I'll do things for other people first. Yeah. The strife of being a woman. Uh (laughs) Yay. Um, And then shortly after that, um, I decided to let my reps in on that Mm -hmm. for nothing, for no reason other than like, well, I wasn't auditioning for queer parts, but ironically the movie that moved me to LA was a queer role. Yeah. That's interesting. So I was like, well, this is silly. Like I had so much, I have so much footage from Indies where I'm clearly seen as who I am. And, um, but I wasn't going out for any like queer TV roles. So I was like, can we like start to keep a radar for this? And they were like, Oh, well there's this Batwoman thing. Do you want to self tape for that? And I was like, uh, yes. (laughs) Do I, what, what kind of question is this? And, um, my manager at the time was like, well, they're, they're not letting people do that yet, but I'll stay on top of it. So I knew they had an offer out. We finally get the, the sides and the self tape. And I did all of this research to find out how Supergirl was cast, how the flash was cast arrow. And the through line for Greg Berlanti's projects is that it almost always the first person that David Rappaport sees he's the casting director mm-hmm. the first person he sees is the one they end up going with but it'll take a month or two months they'll see that first person they'll go through the lists and lists and lists and they compare them all to that first person wow and they end up going back granted that first person has turned out to be epic each time but that's the weird like story for um Grant the Flash and Melissa for Supergirl so I was like I have to get my tape in first obviously. Right. (laughs) So I worked my ass off and sent in the tape and maybe like a week later, um, my Instagram started blowing up, like blowing up. 
like you have a new thousand followers today and I was like what these yoga posts are (laughs) out of control (laughs) I am killing it with these yoga posts and um, I was dating this woman at the time and she was like I don't think it's your yoga posts and I was like why not she's like because everybody new is commenting on your photos with bats like the bat emoji and I was like is that a sex thing? Like, I don't know. I was like, <laughs> kids these days. I'm like elder millennial. I was like, I don't know. What does this mean? And she was like, mm, I think it's about the Batwoman audition. I was like, well, there's no way they, though she's woman. I was dating was an athlete. And I was like, there's no way they would know about that. Like that goes privately to casting. And she goes, well, they seem to know about it. And I was like, well, how, how would that happen? <laughs> like panic, panic, panic. And it turns out maybe 10, eight or 10 of these auditions got leaked. So they were only seeing queer women for these parts. Okay. So in my head, if anyone saw these auditions and saw that I was in them, everyone would know that I was queer. And I was like, shit. Not on your terms. Not on my terms. Um, But weirdly very on brand for who I am yeah. to like see me as this person. That's what I said when you said it out loud. I was like, that tracks. It tracks, <laughs> right? It's so like the story, it's kind of perfect. And um, the woman I was seeing at the time was like, well, you have, you really have two options. You can either just go into a closet that you've never been in or you can just pretend that everyone should have known and they're stupid. And I was like, well, obviously that sounds way better. <laughs> so I just embraced it and you know, I had a day where I cried. I embraced it and I moved forward. And, uh, yeah. So the Batwoman thing kind of went viral. My audition was picked out of the others and the internet decided I needed to be her, which I was like, there's an offer out to someone much bigger than me guys. If she passes, they're going to hold auditions. Like mm-hmm. that doesn't, doesn't just go to me, but you know, the internet doesn't know how acting works. No. And then lo and behold, it's upwards of like 80,000 views, which is more views than any audition I've ever done has ever had. I mean, what? I have so many questions. <laughs> I, I know. <laughs> how does an audition get leaked? I this has no to be idea. an internal thing, right? I mean, or like, would your reps do something like that? No. Cause it goes, it was directly through, what is it? Cast it? Like yeah. So, and there were, a few of them. So I was going to say, is we I mean, transfer listen, having there was, there was a night of drinking and trying to figure out how this happened. And the best we came up with was like temporary system error or like angry intern at casting office. Like we, who knows? Who but knows? Like, what a lovely surprise. Here's what I think is really cool about this on other than the obvious that you are surprised. You're not bad woman. Yes, by the way. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Sorry, sorry. To let Ruby you Rose got it, you guys. Um, she's amazing. <laughs> but but that not getting an audition that you worked really hard for has had epic, amazing consequences. Yes. And I don't think we hear stories like that. Usually a story like this would end in, and then she booked it. Right. And it doesn't. Yeah. So Most of the time it doesn't. <laughs> Oh, we don't hear those as well. Or, often. and then she quit and, and moved then, home. And, and like, then they called her and were like, come, oh wait, that's the, that's the uh, Emma Stone movie. Mm-hmm. What did this do to you as a person in your career? Because at this point you've been in LA, what was this, a year or two ago? 11 years? Um, I guess it was like almost 
a year and a half, two years ago. Yeah. We've come from Jersey to New York to school to the Palm Springs Film Festival to figuring your life out in LA. Things are going relatively smoothly in your career. Did you feel like up until this point? What were your thoughts a, before this audition? Okay, so up until that point, um, I became the indie film darling because that's what I was told. That's basically what brought me to Palm Springs mm-hmm. and what I knew I was good at. Like, I have a very intense look about me. This is my real voice. Like, I can cry when needed. So, like, I am an indie filmmaker's, like, dramatic, tortured female's dream. Like, that's my casting. Uh, Or, like, a woman who's struggling against authority. Like, that's my niche. You know what (laughs) I mean? So, uh, Indie World ate me up, and I led it, which means I made $125 a day. Mm-hmm. maximum oh which is the four years mm-hmm. yeah and um and you supported this with your yoga career mm-hmm. which is bartending sunset yeah. marquee <laughs> <laughs> and then yoga yeah uh it's a nice flexible job you guys <laughs> she's really good at it too <laughs> thank you but yeah so I um sat down with another friend of mine Audrey Moore mm-hmm. who you know of and um she was like so do you do you feel like you want to be an indie queen for the rest of your life and I was like no I would like to pay bills (laughs) (laughs) and she's like okay so um I challenge you to start saying no to indie jobs and I was like what um what are you talking about and she was like no more unpaid web series no more you know maybe getting paid later short films she's like just step up the game you're good enough and so I started saying no and for a year I focused on making myself action footage Mm -hmm. and saying no to anything that wasn't co-star tv or lead in feature and your reps were okay with this um my yeah they were because cool. that they I had just gotten new reps when that happened okay. so they were just like okay let's roll with it and how did you know you wanted to niche down to that because I think that's sometimes a lot of the struggle for people and something I deal with all the time is figuring out okay if I'm going to take it like six months to a year to just focus on x y and z how did you figure out what those things needed to be um I think most importantly was I prioritized my value. I have so many years in this industry. I have a talent level that is beyond my credits and I don't always value that over getting another credit or getting another job Mm -hmm. and being able to say, Oh, I have something coming out. Even if it's like a web series that I'm never going to get paid for. Like sometimes that feels like progress but it isn't always for a certain level of actor. It absolutely is progress. And where I'm at for me to go do a non-paid um, web series right now would not feel like progress, but it didn't always seem that way. Yeah. It felt like, Oh, it's another thing I can put on the resume. It's something else to do, something else to talk about when in reality it's like, yeah, yeah but it's not moving me forward. It's just moving me. Was that conversation with Audrey, what shifted that for you to realize that it was no longer helpful? Yes. It also happened on the heels of like me going off to shoot two indie projects. So like I literally left 
her house where we recorded and uh, went to Florida to do an indie film that fell to pieces. The director was a misogynist. He thought I would just like fall in love with him while I was there. And I ended up leaving after two days of being on set. What? Uh, it was a nightmare. Okay, so the universe was like, and back to LA yeah. you go. <laughs> so I called her and I was like, so you know that conversation we just had about my value? I'm quitting a job. And she was like, yay, ugh, what's happening? <laughs> like, I, you got the lesson, but I wish you didn't get the lesson like this. Yeah. You know what I mean? So then I went on and did um, this short film called American Muscle after that. And I was super nervous because I was like, here's another indie short film project. However the project was so on brand for me as a person as a female race car driver who's like just trying to prove her worth. There's no romantic story. It's just about her stepping up her game. And at the time it felt like exactly what I was doing in my life. Where did just you shoot stepping this up my game? I shot it in, um, in Sacramento and in Oakland on an abandoned air force strip when did you audition for this? Oh my God. Did you audition for this? I think so I many people I know auditioned for this. It's really weird. Um, I don't go off for a lot of race car drivers, but I think I, it's called American muscle. It's about a brother and a sister relationship. You yeah. totally auditioned. Yeah. For yeah. This. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> I'm so glad you booked it. Yay! <laughs> I love this. Hilarious. Oh um, funny story about that job is I almost didn't go to that audition cause it was at like 8 PM. I hate when that happens. And I was like, I'm not going to this. I'm just not going. And my roommate was like, what? This is what you want to do. And I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> so I like reluctantly went. I reluctantly did it. And the irony was that the character was very attitude-y. Mm-hmm. So I was just already there was in that place when Wait, I auditioned. Going to an audition at night? Well, yeah. I was just like, what is this? And then at the callbacks, the director made it seem like I already had the job. So I thought I was going in to do chemistry reads. Because that's, they just paired me up with all the other dudes that were being cast. And it wasn't until I walked out and they brought in a new girl that I realized, oh my God, I've just treated this entire callback like I was booked and these people were here to see if they worked with me. <laughs> Wait, but there's something magical in that there, because, oh yeah. because then you were just doing, you were there for the other actor, Completely. which everyone says is just a, one of the best parts of our job. You were just supporting the other person in the room. Like, actually. Wow. But I didn't, like, but ignorantly, too. <laughs> the director and I, helps. his name is Nick Martinez. We talk about this story all the time because he really wanted me for the part. But he had other people to appease and wanted to hold a callback traditionally. But so our communication, I understood that he really wanted me for the part. So I just thought I had it. Amazing. So it wasn't until, like, weeks later that I found out I legitimately booked it. And I was like, dude, I have to tell you. I thought I booked this like a month ago <laughs> and he was like, well, that was my fault. Like I wasn't really clear about my communication and I was like, yeah, that's amazing though. Okay. So you shoot this short mm-hmm. and then decide that you're not going to do any more indie projects mm-hmm. unless they're like very on brand for me mm-hmm. because a lot of the TV that I book is fun TV, but it's not like really specifically Ashley Platt's character TV. That's like going to like that. It's, it's stuff that I can do, but it's not the thing I'm the best at. You know what I mean? Uh Uh I did. The last thing I shot is getting much closer, but like it's slowly getting closer to those roles. So when you decided to take this time to just 
get your footage, do that, this and that. When you focused down and got like your action footage, was that something you were like, this is a direct thing I need to get to the point where I'm going to go? Absolutely. And then uh, I haven't booked a single action job since then. (laughs) However, I've booked like everything else. Do you know what I mean? It's very weird. Um, And then the footage that came out from this race car movie is epic. And I got to drive for 50% of on-screen driving is me actually driving. So it's like no stunt people. So you can really see me driving. Um, And that did the little festival circuit, which was a lot of fun. But it's, it's like... I put in all this time and energy to, I need footage of me being an action hero, showing that I can kick ass, showing that I can fight. Cause that's like sort of my whole thing is like, I'm, I shine the most when you put me in a storyline where I have like a moral issue with something and I'm fighting against. Mm-hmm. So like, if you were to look at like, um, like V for Vendetta, like that part would be super on point for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but like things like that where I'm fighting against something because I'm naturally an activist. Um, so that sort of sits really well in my wheelhouse. So a fighter like a, or a warrior character is very adjacent to it. It's not exactly right, but it's adjacent to it. Mm-hmm. So getting to like make that footage, while I was making that footage, I booked Hawaii Five-0, which is a character who's dying of cancer. Whoa. In a way, a fighter. Uh-huh. But... Shit, like I, the scenes, it's just me crying because my husband's done something terrible. Oh, so it's like back to indie stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, and I was like, okay, but still first big TV credit Huge. that was a guest star. So I'm like, okay, moving forward. And they shoot it in Hawaii, don't and they? they shoot it in Hawaii, you What guys. a magical, they cool just fly time. you to Hawaii. That's awesome. It's so awesome. And do you think you could have kind of, I hate the term like boiled down, but like, kind of figuring out who you are and what you like is so much of the acting journey Mm -hmm. and boiling down what is missing from your reel, from your credits, from like making it all a complete package in a way, which just so you know, guys, it's never going to be like complete. Like there's never a day we wake up and you're like, you're also going to change. Yeah. I've never woken up and "Mm." thought like, Oh my God, I have everything. No. Someone come and get it. Like, no. No. And you'll book the job that you think you want more than anything. And you'll still feel that way. I I did a podcast with a a director named Austin Thurber. And he said, uh, he was like, you know, it's funny because I'll be, or he's also a writer. And he's like, I'll be writing something. I'm like, I get an idea and I'm like, oh man, that thing sounds so much better than the thing I'm doing right now. Always. Always. So that's always going to be how it's going to be. But do you think that you could have been this clear about your path when you first came to LA? No, definitely not. I also feel like um, the information that is out there now for actors is like a million times what we had when I first moved here. We had Backstage, which was an actual magazine. That was it. That's what we had. Sometimes you would end up in an acting class with a teacher who's a working actor, but most of the time you were with someone who had quit like a decade or two before who wasn't in the same machine that you were in. And you're working on Tennessee Williams, but you're auditioning for Pizza Guy. And it's like, how, what? Mm -hmm. And you're making a freaking meal at a Pizza Guy because you've been making a meal at a Tennessee Williams and you're wondering why you're not getting cast. Because nobody's teaching you how to do pizza guy. Right. You don't know how to walk in a room and just say, hey, here's your change. Have a good one. And walk out. You're like, hey, here is your change. <laughs> you have a good one. And they're like, man, that, that guy. I want to watch that commercial. <laughs> <laughs> so 
So where are you at right now? What's going on right now? Like, with, do you like what? What are you working on? I and it doesn't uh, have to be like a project. Like with yeah, yourself. yeah. I don't sit still well in general. Uh-huh. And for a yogi, that's um, ironic, but it's probably why I do it. Um, right now, I wanted to get footage of myself doing a period piece. Um, so last year I wrote, um, a Western and produced it and we shot it this summer. Yay. Yay. I'm so excited for you. And it is in post right now and we are already submitting it to festivals, which is crazy. And it is, um, the thing that I've created that I'm the most proud of. And while that has been happening, my focus for my, my side of my career that I have control over is to constantly be building relationships, constantly stay on top of the relationships I already have. And um, I'm focusing more on, like I just leveled up my manager. Congratulations. Thank you. And that happened because of a relationship. How so? My One of my best friends uh, was cast as a Marvel superhero three years ago. I was his date to the premiere. His manager was there. And we sat next to each other and became friends. And we stayed friends for three years. And when I was looking to level up, I reached out. And it worked because we know each other. So as much as actors love to stay friends with only other actors because we get each other, you limit yourself so much if you are not building relationships with people who could potentially be a source of maybe not your rep, but someone who know who they're, they may know someone who's looking for someone like you. Yeah. And I just feel like relation, my, my whole thing is relationships. Like it's very easy to be alone and lonely in this town. Very easy. Uh, so I really reach out and stay connected to people that have inspired me or I find interesting. And that has always benefited me on the back end. So leveling, leveling up the manager, um, was super helpful. And, now I'm focusing honestly on um, getting better at self tapes. Cool. I feel confident in it because obviously Batwoman went viral. And listen, you guys, on the off chance that your audition gets leaked, make sure it's a good one. <laughs> um, so I'm constantly working on self tapes. I love just like grabbing some sides and my roommate and being like, let's just, let's just do this. Like, I love even that. if we hate it. Sometimes if I have an audition, she'll audition for it too. And just maybe she'll send it. Maybe she won't and vice versa. I'll just audition with her things just to do it because it's like with the play, I've had the luxury of putting in another like what 3000 hours into my tools kit because I've been working so much acting so much. But if you're not doing a play and you're not constantly auditioning, which most of us aren't. Yeah. How are you getting practice? Right. I, okay, so I have two questions. Firstly, as you build relationships, you say you like to help maintain them. Mm-hmm. How do you go about doing that? Um, it starts with, I guess it depends on how the relationship started. So like relationships I met on set, I'm big on, I have this little acronym for myself, um, uh, PPLP. I am professional, positive, and least problematic on set. That's PPLP. Fantastic. That is my mantra when I go on to set. I am professional. I am positive. I am the least problematic person on set. That alone will garner you great relationships because people are like, remember that person when we were having a shit moment and the lead was being a diva 
and they were just laughing it off and it was like easy. Do you know what I mean? Like making light of, there's always going to be problems on set. So starting with the way you are when you meet the person, especially if it's on set. And then I like to keep um, track of the people I bonded with the most and follow up. If they're directing the next thing, watch it. Tell them what you thought of it. It's really not that difficult, guys. We do this for our friends that we've known since we were kids. Like, oh, you got a raise. Congratulations. That must feel good. You reach out, you like congratulate them. But we're so afraid to do this with people in the industry. Because we're like, oh, we're going to be a burden. It's like, oh, what a burden. Like, think about if you were in their position. And someone like, like I think about this all the time. I had someone come see the play who isn't acting anymore, but who was in the first play (laughs) that I did around the corner from here. Wow. 12 years ago, came to see the show and like pulled me aside afterwards and was like, you've, you've grown so much. I'm so impressed with your work. I'm just really a fan. And I was like so moved because this person has known me for a decade. They're not even doing it anymore. They get nothing out of it. And even if they did, even if they were still doing it, like it just feels good to be acknowledged and everyone knows that especially in a creative industry where everyone's going to judge you on every little possible thing they can. Like, oh, her teeth are weird. Like whatever the thing, like someone's going to rip it apart because of their own insecurities. So when you have something that is not that, why wouldn't you share that with that person? Yeah, I love that. Even if it doesn't go further than that. Is it, is it like a, is it, I don't want to use the word like calculated, but like, do you, do you kind of keep a steady like check in on people or is it just like, I do with my professional casting relationships. Okay. I do. If like, um, like an email type of thing, I have a spreadsheet. Everyone I know who has either cast me or called me in a bunch and I have a column next to their name with the last time they received something from me, whether it's an email or a postcard or a drop in or the last time I ran into them. Um, and I try to get that up to six per year for me. Cool. Um, that doesn't feel like a lot. It takes, what is it? Seven times for someone to see your face and hear your name to get it stuck in their brain. So if you think about that and these are relationships I've had, they know who I am at this point. You know what I mean? I've been doing this for a few years with this type of system. So they know who I am. So sometimes I'll see someone and they'll be like, you can stop sending me postcards, Ashley. And I'll be like, I know. I don't. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I love that. I love a. I. I. Am I it also the makes me way. happy. I like to send cards. Well, I love to get cards. Yes. So. And it's also a tangible thing you can do for your career. Mm-hmm. There's, like you said, the the things that you can control, right? Yeah. So it's just another thing that you you're in charge of that totally that whole process. Uh, my second question is: as you do a self tape to like keep yourself practicing, one, are you in a class? And two, if you're not. Are you just self-taping and like, is your friend giving you feedback? How do you utilize each other in that way? It's Um, hard to find someone to self-tape with. Yes. I, my favorite, uh, I'm not in a class permanently. Um, I take a lot of Jack Plotnick, who's a working actor in in LA. He does pop-up classes sometimes twice a week, sometimes once a month. It kind of depends when he's not working because... That's who, for me, I want to learn from people who are in the shit with me. Um, And he's awesome because he doesn't care about if it's good or he cares if it's believable. 
So he's not trying to build disciples. Like some schools want you to like never really get the thing, yeah. but always be close. So you keep coming back. Just keep working. Yeah. He's like, <laughs> I hope you never come back. I hope you like learn this. And you, a lot of what he teaches is to like how to stop being a jerk to yourself while you're acting in your head, which I don't know if any of you feel that you might need that, but, um, <laughs> I did. <laughs> yes. Keep talking. <laughs> um, continue. And then the self tape work at home. What I love to do is have, um, I'll have my roommate audition for the part I'm doing and I'll put her on tape first. And I'll direct her because I can really clearly see what I need to change in someone else, but I can't always feel it in myself. So if I can be like, no, that thing you're doing doesn't make sense, but I would have totally done that. So I'm glad we had this moment. Do you know what I mean? Like we can sort of problem solve in the moment. Um, I love doing that. I love rehearsing with someone and then switching parts because you also understand their character better, which informs how you could make stronger choices. The listening gets so much better. Oh my God. Listening is, um, listening is, I think one of the most important skills for an actor easily. We're watching people listen. It's fascinating to watch people listen. Always. Like the leads in movies. What is it? Um, uh, the movie with Clint Eastwood in the city where he's like the badass dude. Oh, this Mm. is, that Gran Torino, thank you. I was like, this is going south. <laughs> we'll get there. We'll get there. Uh, when he, when Clint got that script, he turned to the writer and said, "I have too much dialogue." The lead listens, and I was like, "What?" And when you watch the great movies, it's completely true. You're watching through someone's lens who's reacting to their environment. They're taking in all the things, so like seeing their emotional journey happens when they're listening. It's crazy. Ugh. But we, who's taught this? I wasn't taught this in college. Be a good listener. I'm like, yeah, I'm paying attention. They're like, no, in the scene. <laughs> like, oh, oh. Not for my next line? What? Yeah. Isn't that my cue? My line, my line, my line, next page. My line, my line, my line. <laughs> you know, now it's like my line, opportunity to do something interesting. My line, opportunity to hear that moment and be affected. My line. Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. I just I, work differently now. Yeah. How did you, did you learn that from, uh, your, I'm sorry, what was the name again? Jack. Jack Plotnick. Jack. No, that was, that came to me. I did shout out Jeremy Luke. I did a showcase for, uh, talent reps. God, maybe six years ago. Um, this actor, Jeremy Luke has these incredible workshops where he brings in all sorts of reps Mm -hmm. and, uh, you do a monologue or a scene. And I did a scene and I didn't have a lot of dialogue in the scene, I was mainly doing it because the other actor I was working with really needed reps. I was in a class that would give ultimatums. Um, and the, my scene partner had been in the class for five years and had not had reps. And our teacher said, if you don't get a rep by like four months from then, you're out. You're kicked out of class. And I was wow. like, uh, I don't want that to happen to her. So I made it my mission, right? Me doing things for other people and not myself to help her get reps. So I was like, I'll do a scene with you at the showcase. I don't, I don't care. Like, what are the chances that I, I, I had a manager, but I didn't have an agent. And I was like, you know, I, maybe I'd get an agent, but whatever. It's, it, this is about you. So we picked a scene that was great for her, that showcased her, where I'm really just listening. And I got multiple meetings out of that. No shit. Because all of the agents... We're like, what are you doing on TV? When you're on TV, you're watching people listen, mainly. 
especially for co-stars and guest stars. Yeah. So they were like, we saw that you had the ability to pay attention and really be in the scene and listen. So that's how I got my first agent in LA was from that showcase because I listened. <laughs> that That's when I learned that lesson. I was like, holy shit. Okay. Yeah, you don't have to do that much sometimes. No, you really don't. Oh, I love that. It's crazy. Okay, we're, I could, I just want to keep going, but we're going to wrap it up. Uh, <laughs> what do you wish for all my actors who are new? It's a heavy base of this podcast or moving to LA or maybe just getting started in Atlanta, blah, blah, blah. What do you wish you would have known when you first came out here? That you need to treat your art like a business or you will get lost. You need to treat it like, um, any job that you have that you hopefully care for, that you're going to do something for it every day, whether that's like read a new play or find um, someone's career writer, director who you love to to follow and constantly like look into their work, that you have to do 90% more than your reps are doing. And if you don't have reps, you have to do 100%. And you can't sit around waiting for the phone to ring. I mean, you can. Listen, there are people who do, and they still work, but they're bored out of their minds. Yeah, where's the fun? And they're sad. That's true. <laughs> you know, like you need, to, you need to be the first advocate for yourself. Ashley? Yeah. Where do you want to direct people to? What do you want them to see, know, listen to? Mm, okay. Um, you guys, I'm playing my first queer character on a TV show this year. <gasps> yes! Oh my God, I'm going to cry. Oh my <laughs> so God. excited. Wait, what um, show? There's a freeform show called The Bold Type. I fucking love The Bold Type. The Are bold you type on The Bold is Type? so good. It's my favorite show. It's so good. You should totally be on that I'm show. Tr- I'm trying. That's such great casting for you. You're on the bold type. It casts out of New York, Meredith Tucker. Shout out, Meredith. Thank you. Um, I have a guest star on the new season, um, and I play a very New Jersey lesbian. Oh, you guys, it's so on brand. My, it's so good. God, accent and everything. Do you know when that season starts? I think the new season comes out the end of January. Oh my God! I'm and I'm so episode excited. five. Oh my God. I can't, I can't, like, I can't even wait. And this job came from a relationship because the writer on my episode of glow. Yes. She was just on the new season of glow. You probably might not recognize her. You might not. Yeah. (laughs) Um, my writer, the writer who wrote the episode I was cast in for glow moved to the bold type and we got to know each other personally. And she wrote this character for me. And you got to do it because we've talked about this before. Yes. People write roles for actors they know sometimes All the time. and they don't end up getting the role. This is the fourth time I've had a TV writer friend of mine say I wrote a part for you. Two times I didn't even get to audition for the part that was written for me. Two times I did and didn't get it because celebrity child, because bigger name, because whatever. Yeah. This one was my first straight offer. And it was a straight off. I know. I almost just peed myself, you guys. I'm like going to cry. I'm so excited. It's crazy. Oh, my God. Oh. Well, we'll be sharing that um, on our platform, too, when it comes out, because I'm 
Oh my I'm going to watch it. I'm going to share everything about it. Dude, okay, anything else you want to pimp out? Because that's pretty My fucking cool. My Western is yes. going to be out soon. And you guys, I mean, done. it's going to be done soon. I don't know what people can do for me other than if you want to go to Seed and Spark and find the page, which I can give you the link to, mm-hmm. and just follow it. Um, when we, you can keep following it, but if we get over a thousand followers, we have like 527 or something right now, uh, we get extra perks to help us with the film festival run. So that would be super dope. Awesome. And follow her on social media and all that good At stuff. At Ashley Blatz. It's a lot, lot really? thousands of people follow for the yoga pictures. Yeah, there's every now and then you'll find one now, but I don't post them very much <laughs> because I realized uh, no one cares. <laughs> And that brings us to the end of today's podcast. Oh, Ashley, thank you so much. I fucking love you. I love you. All right, guys. I'll talk to you in just a bit. (laughs) Thank you guys for tuning into this episode. Ashley, thank you for your time. You're a gem. I don't know where I would be in LA if I had met you when I first moved here. Guys, the people you meet when you first move to LA, you might lose track, but you might find them again, and it's kind of magical. This podcast is created and hosted by me, Sam Valentine, with production help from Laurel Canyon Creative, and our music is from the magical Maggie Zabo. All right, guys, that's the end of episode six. Make sure you're following at One Broke Actress, and I will talk to you next week. <laughs>